welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right. What's up? What's going on, Knock On Nation? It's early morning. I'm wiping the dust out of my eyes and going to fire up a podcast here for you. Um, date is November 30th, Friday, November 30th. Uh, good news is, well, I guess good news is we've got a lot of things coming up. We had a pretty successful November as a team just by following hashtags. Some of you have just shot some absolute giants. A lot of you with uh, some handheld releases for the first time. I've seen so many people shoot uh, shoot animals with silverbacks and send some cool stories. Um, just kind of saying thanks and appreciative of being able to go out and hunt without target panic for the first time and those stories are inspiring and they're awesome and they're what's really led me to something new that I'm planning on doing this year and it's going to start this weekend and it's going to be a pretty much a weekly homework series on a magnitude of topics over several months that's going to continually and progressively give you things to work towards for making you a better shot. And I'm going to roughly call this the School of Knock Sessions. I'm going to start one out this weekend. I may do it live. I may not. Either way, if I do it live or if I don't do it live, I'm still going to post that week's homework uh, directly to the YouTube channel, the Knock on Archery YouTube channel, and possibly uh, even on the Instagram TV. Uh, Instagram is definitely my preferred place if you're a podcast listener. I do use Facebook, but I've had some serious issues with it lately. For some reason, um, because of the number of followers, Facebook keeps booting me out of my own page um, when I'm traveling. It keeps thinking that, I don't know, it keeps thinking that I'm a hacker or something and it keeps booting me out. It's been a continual problem. Um, so... I'm, I do a lot more on Instagram, but if you don't have Instagram, you should get it. It's really easy, and I'm going to be doing some live feeds and videos there. We're starting this weekend, and all you need to start this weekend is to make sure you've got four arrows and a place to start doing some shooting. I really credit my hunting success with my involvement with target archery and target archery has not only made me a better shot but it also keeps me disciplined to staying on schedule with things and 
continually putting time behind my bow throughout the year and not having lags go by. The only time I really have lags in my shooting, if I'm honest, is during hunting season, just because it's long days. I'm rarely out of, out of stand in the middle of the day, and if I am, it's because I'm really working um, or having to like cram my work because I do put in a lot of time uh, during the wee hours of the morning or the late hours at night so that I can, you know, essentially I work like, I don't know, third shift. So a split third shift so that I can hunt first shift. Um, but target archery allows me to get back into the swing of things and allows me to get back into a rhythm, get back into, I don't know, a systematic routine and, it really helps me blow the cobwebs off of some poor habits or I should say just laziness in my shots that develop over months and months of just being out there hunting and shooting one or two arrows maybe at camp or, um, you know, just shooting, shooting, practicing in foul weather conditions just because you're at, you know, you're out hunting and you you step outside and just want to shoot a few arrows and, you know, maybe it's blowing a gale. You're probably not shooting a lot of groups. If you're dialed in with broadheads, you're not going to be shredding targets apart and shredding arrows apart. So I think it's fair to say a lot of us limit our shooting during the hunting season. And that's why coming out of the hunting season, it's so critical to just pick back up on this and start ingraining good clean shot technique and it's not something that comes easy it's going to take some time it takes some progression so i'm gonna allow you guys and gals out there to follow me throughout my entire winter and spring progressional training and continually give you things to work on each and every week and they're all going to be slightly different sometimes they may juggle around um, depending on your your skill level as an archer if you're a high level shooter you know if you're currently a, a 300 shooter and you're constantly going to tournaments and you're pretty much poised and ready to compete in the pro class you're going to pick up on some details, but you may also already be ahead of me simply because some indoor tournaments have already started. So I would assume you've already kind of got your shit together, so to speak. So this class is going to be geared towards, I would say, um, non-serious to moderately serious archers when it comes to target archery so you're gonna need a few things one you're gonna need to make sure you have a place to shoot and it's not going to be completely necessary that you're always able to shoot 20 yards but we are going to be starting at 20 yards um, I'll be shooting in my in my my personal range um, so I always shoot it's 18 meters is what we competed at as 
indoor archers. So that's where we're going to start. If you don't have that, which believe me, I've been there. Um, when Sharon and I lived in England back and forth for, for those years, I had to shoot in our house from living room to dining room pretty much. We had one stretch that was maybe eight or nine yards that's where I was able to shoot and that's where I practiced even when I was on the team I didn't have a place to shoot indoors except for once a week the club that I belonged to shot one time a week indoors um, but then as I kind of figured out that that wasn't ideal I kept looking around and looking around and I ended up finding a place where I could shoot 20 yards and it was a small building that was that was owned or leased by a fencing club so to, funny enough and I would be able to go in there I paid pretty much paid a, a membership to the people of that building and I would carry a target there every day and I would shoot inside this fencing club. The one rule we, that the guy had, I guess fencing was a dying uh, a dying sport. He said that I had to attend the fencing classes each week. So me, Sharon, and Harry had to take fencing um, while, well, we had to do it once a week. Or maybe it was twice a month. But we did have to do it as long as I was shooting in the building. So... Be creative. Do what you need to do to get your archery in. That's the moral of the story. I had to take fencing, uh, which Harry actually liked it. Star Wars was really in then, so he was uh, he was pretending it was a lightsaber, and it was pretty good. So find a place to shoot. Week one, all we need is our bows and four arrows. It's going to start s simple. It's going to progress, and it's going to utilize a technique that I've written about and that I've talked about called selective cycling. So selective cycling is what I call an athlete's continual cycle through different techniques so that you're continually working on specific parts of your form and your technique but you're also continually building on something that you were doing previously and it's going to kind of be in the background it's going to hopefully start to ingrain into a habit as you might have made a change like um, this isn't going to be week one but let's just say we start there's a week where we're going to focus on grips which there will be um, so hand position is going to be a focus and maybe that's something that um, during certain weeks I'll say I still want you to, th to think of this at the beginning of the shot but I'm not wanting you to think about this through the shot. I'm wanting this to be you know, just more of a something to check off your list but not something to focus on throughout the whole shot whereas there may be weeks where all I'm wanting us to work on is say cadence um, the cadence of being able to understand timing and flow and work on getting your cadence and your flow and everything from your draw to the release of that 
um, to the release of that string in a very systematic and timely fashion to where without you really having a focus on it, it's being super repetitive and it's being, uh, you know, I guess, very, very consistent in that. So there's going to be a lot of different things that we're going to work on. Again, if you're a, a pro or semi-pro, this some of this stuff may start out a little bit slow for you, but just realize, you know, I'm not, if you want a high level class, then you need to find when I'm at one of the Olympic centers or when I'm training overseas and working with teams or having open sessions where I'm working with individuals for multiple days, because that's really what, what I do that for is for high level people to where I can be there and, and look at you with a microscope and be able to see your equipment firsthand and things like that. So this is going to be exciting. I don't know if I have a technical name for it yet. Probably not. I want to make it into a series. Um, I'm looking at probably, I'm thinking at least 12 weeks. It may go to 20. Um, but each week we're going to have something new to talk about. And I think it's going to open up a lot of uh, discussion, a lot of new material on podcasts, especially if all of you out there get involved because I'm still working out the details. But I want to figure out a way to where each week I can kind of give you some homework and then designate a hashtag where you're going to be able to uh, – post what uh, what it is that I'm wanting people to work on. You can maybe make a post. You can put it out there and have that hashtag there. And I'm going to be able to go into the hashtags and look at how you guys are doing. And I want to be able to provide feedback. Now, I'm not going to be able to do it to everybody. Obviously, there's 150,000 uh, people on my on my Instagram. But the ones that are more active are more likely to be seen. And what I'd like to do is as I progress through, maybe have some different feeds and stuff where I, you know, search through these hashtags and show some of these videos or show some of these photos and be able to diagnose them and talk about them. Um, so do know if you're posting this publicly and you're, hashtagging me in you're pretty much saying hey dud i want you to know uh i want to know what you think about this and if that's the the case then i'm gonna it's fair game to me i'm gonna try to speak openly and honestly about everybody and as i do that i think it's gonna open the door for new subjects um to talk about so this is going to be pretty interesting um I'm, you're going to be able to see how I'm shooting as well. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't start out the year. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, I have most of the time I start out the year a little bit rough on my rounds. I'm not a 300 shooter out of the gate last year because I jumped straight into my bow from the year previously and I wasn't starting with a new bow and making adjustments and all that stuff. 
I actually did jump right into shooting 300s. Um, but this year, I think I'm going to do a new bow build, maybe, maybe not. But um, I'm going to probably start out with this Prevail uh, that I shot last year and the year before. I really like it, feel comfortable with it, so I'm probably going to shoot that. But I am going to also rebuild a Pro Force. The other thing, too, is, um, like I said, I am going to involve people, so... I plan on having some people come in during these training rounds. Uh, I'd like to announce the first person that I'm going to have come here is going to be during the second week of the School of Knock, and that person is going to be Matt Newton. Matt is someone, if you're on Instagram, you've seen Matt. Matt's actually... Um, been a bidder multiple times on bows that went out for auctions for good causes or fundraisers. So he actually bought the Hulk bow and wants to get into, you know, learning some target archery. So I'm going to, I've got Matt a ticket bought and he's going to be flying up here to get some pointers and that we're going to give them some things to work on for week two and you guys are all going to be there to to see it as we work through we'll probably do um, some secondary videos as well um, but i do have some other people i'm hoping that can get here to work on a few things as well uh, just because some things i do need someone there shooting to be able to to talk about it and it's hard to point at myself and talk to myself. So that's my plans. And thanks, Matt, for all the support. He's very active on, um, always on the posts and things and helps people out as well. So super cool. Looking forward to getting him here. And we're going to work together for a few days. And then I plan on having him as part of uh, one of the School of Knock things and then also we'll do a podcast so you all need to be ready this is going to be something that I'm not going to charge for I'm going to do my best to make it easy for everybody and I'm going to do my best to to really educate and teach all I ask from you out there is this is one of the reasons why I kind of faded away from this and was really hoping to get the website type thing going um but the website was a nightmare and i apologize about that i don't think it's dead but it's it's laying dormant right now um that let a lot of wind out of our sails just with the amount of investment we had in it and everything that happened uh when it crashed so um i think right now i'm just going to do my best to work through filming these for youtube and also doing them on instagram i'll probably repost some of that stuff onto facebook but facebook won't be my go-to number one so looking forward to it all you need for week week one is four arrows make sure you have four good arrows and these aren't going to be super long sessions they're going to be things to give you homework on but the deeper and deeper we get in 
the more I'll probably come out with little videos kind of um, expanding on homework topics. And that'll be something cool to where I can build a series where you can go in and say, you know, okay, knock, school knock week, school knock, you know, session 20. And you can look at what that is. I'll be there to actually teach more, kind of go through things the same way I would if I was doing a seminar, being a little bit more elaborate and uh, discuss things a little bit deeper in detail. So hope you all appreciate it and like it. Uh, just to jump on a different subject here, probably the question of the month. We had a, a big Black Friday event, and I appreciate everyone that supports us that way. Tons of questions. Everyone's wanting to know when releases are coming in. Um, Silverbacks, some Silverbacks are actually um, going to be here today. And there's, and then there's more following. And Noctuits have actually shipped from the anodizer uh, to be back so that they can be assembled. So Noctuits Silverbacks are going to definitely be available prior to Christmas. So they're not going to go on. I don't think Sharon will put any on today, but. I would say possibly by the weekend or early next week, there's going to be silverbacks. Um, so depending on when you're listening to this, it would be beginning of December 2018. And then Noctuits are going to start coming in after that. So uh, be ready. Save some of your Christmas money because once we post them, it's first come, first serve. If you're not in the U.S., you have to email in. Um so that they can give you a shipping quote. You can't buy internationally through the website. Uh, you have to actually email in and say, this is what I was wanting to get. It shows that it's available, and then they'll send you back a shipping quote and also a PayPal invoice, and then you just pay for it. You pay for it with PayPal. Either you can use a credit card through PayPal as well, but you pay for it and it'll ship to you. So that's what I have to say about releases. The next thing is, and I do have some Q and A's I'm gonna get to. It's just so you all don't think, well, what's the point? Not learning anything yet. Sorry, there are times when I learn things and it's actually today I posted a little video on how to tie your own to cat whiskers just so that you can learn something because I knew this podcast wouldn't all be about learning. Uh, so the next thing is uh, the knock-on knives. So throughout this past hunting season, I continually worked with tour knives on the development of a knife set that I really, really liked in the field. There's multiple, um, there's actually two knives, and then also this past year um, I utilized a tomahawk as I hunted as well. Um, it was something that I talked with Barklow about. We talked about like practicality of it, what things could be used for, and then worked on making a design that actually had different elements to where um, the tomahawk could be used throughout camping and also be utilized uh, 
hunting and 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 as a survival tool as well so um the tomahawk is actually going to be a product of free range american so andy uh has that coming soon at freerangeamerican.us um which is pretty cool there'll be some pictures and stuff showing you some of the changes that we made to their tomahawk so that they suited the needs of a hunter and our needs as hunters uh, all the way down to the built-in bottle opener for celebratory drinks upon your harvest or upon or at camp so uh, that's pretty cool but the knock-on knife set which I'm calling the checkmate series is going to be available possibly even it's going to be available within the next day or two probably so that's going to be on the knock on archery uh, website so what makes it different you may ask well what makes it different is the cuts also the lengths there were several generations of these blades there's two of them and thanks to the help of some of my key knock on nation people we came up with the names uh because i really liked the checkmate series um and so the names are knife one will be the queen and what i like about the queen is check out this sales this sales pitch i'm going to give you um the queen has really good curves but it'll also leave you gutted boom now without uh being too cheesy the point of that knife is very very versatile it's got some really really cool shapes to it it's an awesome flesher it's got really good curves to it which makes it great for field dressing um you know a lot of times if you have more rounded and like bellied shapes um you're not puncturing into the organs so and also when you're caping uh it works awesome for caping out having really cool um clean caping and you know isn't like tearing hair leaving hair onto your meat um so it's a really cool design and what's different about it is this knife actually has two finger holes it has an index finger hole and a pinky uh finger hole which makes it really neat how it balances in your hand. You can actually pitch your, say you can push your index finger forward and pull your pinky tight so you can lay the blade in one angle. Or if you want the blade closer to the, to the meat of your hand, you can push your pinky finger out, pull your index finger in. You can lay your thumb on the top of the blade, which it's actually dished out specifically for where my thumb uh, would sit in there. And even the hole sizes were slightly changed from what Tour had done in the past to what fit good in my hand. Um, the steel is actually coated um, throughout. So uh, the main steel is, is, is black except for a very thin part of where the blade is sharpened down. And we did that for a specific reason. Um, so 
I think you're going to like it. The Queen is an awesome, awesome blade. It's something that I would probably carry with me the most. Um, I had one, I've had, I think, three different versions of it throughout all of last fall. So as you look through pictures from, well, actually, the very first one that I saw was at, as, was at my bear camp with my buddy Trevor and Barklow back in May. Um, and then they just continually progressed throughout. But the queen is awesome. Really cool shape. Um, and makes really clean cuts. It's a great caper. And again, a great field dresser. Um, the other knife is um, what we're calling the knight. So you have the queen and the knight. The knight is the workhorse. So it is a modified version of a previous tour model but it's been changed in thickness and built in blade length so um it's a it, to me it reminds it reminds me of like almost like um a jice, a jousting blade it's it's longer and it's actually made in length to where when you're having to fully debone an elk leg or an elk quarter, it has the length that you need and it's got an unreal point. It looks like a ninja sword as a shape. And at first, me and Barklow both had our doubts, but as I continued to go through elk, which I think I had between me and all my buddies and camps I was in, I think I did roughly eight or nine elk last year, elk cuts and packs. Um, and this knife, the night was just unreal for that. It's a great knife for, for going around all of the bigger parts, pelvis, uh, femur, getting all the way through there, being able to fully, um, clean out the high shades. Shade just came down for the morning. Um, so it, it's an awesome, awesome knife, and you can use it as well for um, trimming and kind of final prep of the meat. Once you have your main cuts, you can put it on a cutting board and go to town. works awesome, but it is a little bit longer than a previous tour model, and one of the first versions of this knife, which I used with Andy um, on his 911 bull, I believe was the first time I started working with that one. But it also has a finger hole on the pinky. These are tour knives, so they have the same uh, guarantee and backing that tour offers. They're all—it's a veteran-owned company. Awesome dudes, super, super great people. And I've been to the factory. I've been in their shop, had a beer with them, and. These guys are really cool dudes, and I'm glad to do this project with them. So all of those are here. They are a high-end uh, custom-run knife. So, you know, don't expect to, to get them cheap. Um, they're not cheap to buy. I mean, it was, a, it was a massive investment, both on the Tomahawk and these, to get them done and, and meet the numbers that we needed to meet to justify it. So 
Um, it was a, a big investment for us, but I think it's the ultimate dual knife pack. Each knife has its own individual sheath, um, snaps in, doesn't rattle, mounts to your belt. Uh, when I showed uh, Green Tree these, he freaked out and he's already put them to use as well. So looking forward to that. And I want to jump into a few questions. I pulled a few questions um, that I thought would be worth talking about. Um, one of them here was someone had sent me a message, a private message, and said, I'm going to shoot my first indoor FIDA next weekend. What do you recommend for a good pace to shoot? Would it be more beneficial to have time left after my three shots to rest or take a few seconds after each shot? So in other words, in indoor archery or tournament archery, you do have a time clock for your shooting. So you can't just go out there and take as long as you want to shoot. When the horn blows, you step up to the line, you have X amount of time, depending on the round. Some rounds you shoot three arrows, some rounds you're shooting six. Um, some events you shoot four, so um, some you shoot five. I've been to a lot of different venues, and sometimes different states try to put their own little spin on things, but more or less you have a time clock and so he's just wanting to know how do I manage that time clock. So for indoor archery, I personally just pace everything out and shoot. You have to find a rhythm to where you're not shooting so fast that your last arrow or two gets a little bit squirrely because you're running out of juice. Um, but you also don't want to shoot so slow that you're allowing yourself to get distracted thought-wise or think about things outside of just your shot process. And you also don't want to have so much time, you know, milk it out between every arrow to where you end up having a letdown, say, on your last arrow because your shot just didn't feel good and you let you cancel that shot and then you look at the clock and you only have a few seconds left and you're having to do a mad panic on your last arrow. So the pace for indoor is a little bit easier to manage because you're not managing weather. Now, if you were outside, I would say, yeah, you have to utilize your clock differently depending on what the wind is doing and when those gusts are coming. Uh, but for indoor, what I would do is I would step up to the line, feel comfortable. Um, I'm obviously trying to, um, I'm trying to shoot at a pace to where nothing around me is distracting. Like for example, um, one time I shot at a tournament and I had this, it, it was, they're pretty rare, but there is a, there is a competition crossbow class in the NFAA. And I remember this one time I ended up getting put right next to this guy that was shooting a crossbow. And this thing was so freaking loud that I was really not wanting to have to hear that thing while I was you know, while my shot was breaking, so to speak. So I would just kind of alternate my, my shooting cycle. I'd let him get up and make his first shot. 
and then once he made that first shot then i would raise my bow and go through my shot process to make my shot so if there's anything distracting around you then obviously manage your time to avoid those distractions but still try to stay within a routine don't take too long don't overthink any things uh too much if you're new to it a common mistake people make is people will go out there and start to especially if you start out doing good you'll you can let your mind wander and start thinking about well what if i win this tournament man this is going to be cool or this is the best score i've ever shot you know those types of thoughts which are common they are more likely to pop in your head the longer you're standing there and not focusing on the shooting process so just stay in your routine i would step to the line go ahead and go through my shot sequence make my shot as i brought my bow back down i'd set my stabilizer on the ground to rest my front shoulder and front arm completely I'd grab an arrow, load my arrow in, and then I would be thinking about exactly how I wanted the next shot to feel. Um, I would just think through the sensations of that shot, how I would feel drawing coming into my anchor. I would visualize my sight picture of me centering my peep front sight, how that sight pin would look in the center of the target, and just being patient and allowing that release to do what it needs to do or have my motion do what it needs to do until the shot breaks and I would just be able to visualize what that shot felt like and and visualize the arrow hitting where I wanted it to go and then I would just immediately go into my shot and try to focus on duplicating that same visualization and sensation that I had just thought about and I think if you're doing it that way and if you're just focus on making the shot, letting resting the arm, loading that arrow, loading the release, taking the time to just kind of feel that break and feel that shot, see that arrow hit the center in your mind, and then raise that bow up, go through your shot routine, come into your peep, you're acquiring the trigger and you're you're gonna be focusing on that shot's going. I think the the clock, so to speak, is gonna be secondary one of the things that you will need to consider, and I, I don't have the person's name, but I answered, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 uh, Q&As this morning on my social media. And one of the people that I was watching, he was he asked me to look at his shooting, and he said he felt his, felt his draw length was incorrect, but I really felt his draw length was fine. But one of the things that he was doing was just taking a tremendous amount of time to, you know, bring the bow up and draw back and the bow would be back. And then he'd kind of slowly, you know, move his face around until he's feeling comfortable with the anchor. And then he's kind of moving to acquire the target and he's getting real stable and steady on the target. And he's like waiting for everything to be perfect. And then he's starting a shot that could take up to you know, eight to 14 seconds. And, you know, it, the whole process was, I almost just lost interest watching how long it was taking. And I'm, you know, my reply was, Hey man, 
the draw length looks good. Like, don't even think about that. What you need to focus on is your sequence and your timing for making this happen because the length of time that that video was, I don't know if someone could actually go to a tournament and be able to get all their arrows off because he's just trying to make everything so perfect that it's taken too long. And in the end, you're exerting so much energy that you're not being efficient in your shot. You're exerting energy that's a waste. And by the time you need your strength and your focus and your oxygen for what matters most, and that's stabilizing that pin float, acquiring the trigger, and being able to go through that slight little moving motion of the back without having added motion in the front, by the time he's into that part of the shot sequence, I personally feel like he's probably already spent and he's just not being efficient with utilizing everything. So that's my thoughts on that is still be efficient in your ability to go through your steps, you know, raising your bow straight to the target, drawing back, coming into your anchor, acquiring your peep, centering everything up, checking the level, getting the pin to the target, finger to the trigger, you know, committing to that shot and going through that shot. I think the progression of these weekly homework routines are going to just play right into the hand of this topic. And by the time summer rolls around, if all of you are continuing out there, it's going to make it even harder for me to have something to uh, to work on all of you with because over the past six or seven years as knock on has progressed and especially over the length of the podcast um, all of you out there just showing so much higher skill level in your appearance and your shots and your scores and your hunting and all that's because you're applying all these little pieces of the puzzle to your game. And it definitely is rewarding for me to see that. Um, I don't like the fact that, you know, if if it gets to the point where someone out there is like, man, I just don't learn anything from him anymore. I guess it's good and it's bad. Um, it means I need to learn more. Um, or it means you've reached a level to where you guys are you know, someone out there is needing to, to give me some more tips, which I'll, I'll welcome it. Um, but as a whole, I would say this entire community has just moved into this whole new level to where when people are like, I don't know if I'm, if my form is right, can you take a look? And then when I took a look nowadays through people's, uh, accounts, it looks so much different. I'm telling you, than what I used to look at five to 10 years ago. Um, the technique of the average archer right now probably looks as good as what some of the most elite archers looked like um, in the early to, you know, early 2000s. So, there just wasn't, and before that, there just wasn't that many people that were that were on a level that was high. 
there was always, you know, a couple handfuls of people that just were completely separated from the rest of the field and were that much better and just looked super clean, looked super comfortable, and looked like they were shooting easy. It's one thing I talk about is, you know, when you see someone shooting to where they just look relaxed and they look like it's easy, those are just really high-level shooters. They make it look effortless um, and I remember one of the first archers I ever saw look that way um, was an archer called Larry Weir he always uh, he always just looked so dang just smooth and he just he looked cool just at full draw he just looked like like it like he was just holding back I don't know he almost just looked like a perfect statue and it was because his fit and his technique was just so efficient that he just was able to make it look that easy. And that's essentially what I want from all of you archers out there is I want you to get to the point where you make it look easy. And then when people try to do it, they're like, wait, dude, this is hard. You, why? It doesn't seem hard when you do it. I mean, that would be ideal. And that's what I'm going to work towards. So keep your efficiency. And if you're rhythmatic and you're smooth, you focus on, you know, the steps of your shot, visualize that shot, then reenact that shot, and then repeat it three times, uh, you're going to be fine. And you're probably not even going to have to pay attention to what that clock is doing at your first indoor feeder. Uh, next question here is from J underscore Miller underscore 777. And he asked a question that I thought would be worth talking about a little bit. And the question is what my thoughts are on clothing or me putting my Sika gear or my bow in the Ozonics dry wash bag. So, um, so Zonix is an ozone machine and their dry wash bag is essentially like a, a, it's almost like a little thing that it's like a duffel bag that hangs and it's got a zip to where you unzip it and you can put your clothes in there almost like a closet, like on a curtain, curtain rod. You can set your bow in there if you want or whatever. So, um, and I used one for a few years currently, um, I'm actually using some of the, um, I'm using another product, which I plan on having them on to talk about. I feel like your scent decontamination serves a bit of a purpose in the hunting community, but being totally scent free is really hard to do. One of the things that I noticed is that ozone does have situations where it has certainly worked for me for from a consent containment point of view there's been a few times where um i've been hunting in places where i don't personally have the option to hunt as smart i should say is what what i prefer to hunt here at home i i really feel like um i feel like i hunt smart when i'm here at home i can i have the option to either not go, wait for another day, try a different spot. I'm not really feeling pressured about 
having to get something down within a three or four day period. Whereas if you're hunting with it, if you're traveling, if you're hunting with an outfitter, if you're hunting with a guest, whatever, your time's limited. And sometimes, you know, you roll the dice on decisions, so to speak. And in those situations, I have had ozone stuff with me and, um, I feel like there is a purpose for it, but I also do know that it's it's shown that ozone will uh, it'll break down thread, it'll break down material. So you don't want to have uh, you really don't want to have your clothes continually in ozone in close containment because. It'll start to fade the color. It'll also start to break down the actual thread. And, you know, I've had people that just go crazy and they're so scent conscious. They're just continually flushing their clothes out with this containment uh, or with ozone. And, you know, you start to see threads popping loose and, you know, your cuffs start to come undone or, you know, threads on your zippers start to come undone. So you got to be mindful if it's doing that to clothing, then obviously you have to understand there's going to be some decomposition of bowstring material too. It is synthetic. Um, so I would be careful on how much you're utilizing that. Um, ideally, I think I personally use ozone some but not always I've used, I do take some with me, uh, into a blind. And I think, uh, I think you can have a purpose for it, but you also really need to be mindful of your gear and don't, uh, go out there and just think that you need to put your shirts and boots and everything into a, um, into a, a a bag and just let that thing go forever and ever and ever because you will break it down and you will start to wreck it. Um, I'm actually using, I used Ozonics for a bit. Um, my units got old. I think they were probably three years old or so now. Um, so then I started switching to, I actually switched to a little bit cheaper product. It's called Scent Slammer. Um, and essentially it's, it's an ozone product as well. It's rechargeable. You just plug the whole unit, um, in. So you kind of plug into the bottom of the unit. It has a rechargeable battery built into it. Um, and they had a whole bunch of different sizes. I saw them at the ATA show, I think last year or two years ago, did a little review on them. Um, got a few, they gave out some little small ones, like a little portable one. They were just given away at the ATA show at the booth. And I took that and I actually put it in my, uh, I've got a safe that I keep a lot of hard drives in. And for whatever reason, the carpeting that's in that safe always had just the weirdest smell. It's like, I think it was the glue that they used in there. And I couldn't ever get rid of it. And so I actually took that little portable one that I got there, charged it, put it in there, turned it on, um, charged it again, put it in there, turned it on, and it pretty much eliminated whatever 
kind of weird smell was in there. So I started utilizing that same little portable one in my truck. So if I'm going on a hunt or something, I'll just kind of have that thing going in there. But more of the story is I'm not putting it in like super, super confined areas and I'm not running it all the time. There's times where I might do a, like a kind of, I, let's just call it a dry wash. Like I might utilize it on my clothes, um, like at the beginning of my hunt. And if there was some point in my hunt where I feel like I had extreme contamination, I may utilize it again, but I'm not really utilizing it on a multiple time per day basis or a day by day basis. I realize that you really do have to play the wind. You've got to, you've got to play smart. Um, this scent slimer product, they also have, um, like a duffel bag that you can put this, it's a rechargeable unit. You can put it on the outside of the duffel bag. You can turn it on and then as you're traveling, it'll, it'll run a cycle and it kind of filters through the duffel bag. So again, I think there's use for it, but I also think you need to understand that it's, it do, has been shown that it does break down clothes. So if you go out and spend a bunch of money on some awesome sickest stuff and then you're running ozone on it twice a day, you're going to, you're going to start to break down that clothing and it's going to end up not being as functional for you if it's, if it's pretty much rotted out dry. I don't know. It's almost like UV looks like UV rot or so. So, um, other than that, stay safe. I know a lot of places, gun season's starting. Our gun season starts tomorrow. It's kind of, I don't know. I think that's why last night I poured myself a, a killerita at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I started thinking, oh no, gun season is starting. Nothing against guns. Just, I know how many deer get smacked that I would love to be going to a bow hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to deal with that myself. But school starts Sunday. Uh, have your stuff together. Four arrows, be ready. And yeah, other than that, we talked about it all. So I'll be on another podcast here soon. Uh, got a few different friends I've been trying to coordinate schedules with so that we can uh, we can talk about some topics that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I get it. Everyone's busy. Everyone's been hunting, but that stuff's all starting to wind down and target season's starting to wind up. So yeah, that's it. And I guess last thing is a lot of people have been sending me messages and posting, am I doing a bow review on the RX-3? Yes, I will be doing a bow review on the RX-3. I'll be doing a bow review uh, on the Helix. Um, I'll be doing a bow review on, um, I'll be doing a, a bow build on RX-3, on an RX-3 Ultra, on a Pro Force. So they will be coming. I just really wanted to get some time behind those bows, even though I've been shooting mine for several months. Um, I just really wanted to get some time behind it in different er elements with different arrows and so forth. 
Um, and also just get an understanding on how other people were reacting to it as well and how animals react were reacting to it so that I can give you guys a true opinion. I know um, in past years I put my bow review out right away, but just like with a lot of things that I'm doing, people, other people that are kind of trying to do the same thing that we're doing just, you know it just becomes this big onslaught of bow reviews and most most of the bow reviews are just someone repeating the specs and they haven't ever really even shot it so i just figured yeah not going to get in the middle of all that stuff going on i'll wait until i can give you guys some some good feedback have a couple kill shots to show you uh with those hunting bows and go from there so appreciate everybody have a good day and make sure you push hard at work. If you don't like where you are in life, you got to just go for it. Push hard. That's what I tell people when they're like, man, I hate my job. How do I do what you're doing? Well, I just pushed. Just kept pushing hard. Walk faster than anyone else at work and uh, be there early, leave late. <laughs> That's kind of the story of my life. So see you, everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com